0: Hello, Tile friends. Welcome back to another episode of Tile Money. This is the podcast where we discuss the business of being a tile contractor. My name is Luke Miller, your host. And today I'm going to be uh, joined uh, by a couple of my friends, Paul and David, and we're going to be talking about real estate investment, what to do with all those profits you're making, right? And how to set yourself up for the future. And I'm glad I've got a couple guests with me today. because As you can hear, my voice is not in the best shape. I guess I went out too late last night. <laughs> I wish. Listen, uh, I want to thank my sponsors, the NTCA and uh, Lady Create International for help, helping and supporting this podcast and making it possible. So let me bring Paul Lucia and David Wachowski. Did I say that right, David? What's up, guys? Good to see Howdy, you, everybody. And listen uh, David and I were talking a few weeks ago and we were talking about doing this podcast and a couple subjects came up we were talking about design you know sales and then David let me know he's you know he's getting interested in starting to invest in real estate uh, kind of thinking of his future you know like we all should be right and I thought you know what we've got to get Paul Lucia in on this and i'm glad I'm glad Paul was willing to do this because Paul's somebody who's been investing in real estate has uh, multiple streams of income from his rental properties. Uh, he's a buy and hold and rent type of, uh, investor. And so, uh, David, maybe you can get us started. Tell us where you're at in the world, what your business look like and kind of your interest in investing in real estate and kind of, you know, uh, give us, give us the couple minute overview of, of that, please. So I'm from
1: Toronto, Ontario. Um, I own Empire Town Flooring, which is a bathroom renovations company. We do tile work on floors, walls, you name it, we do it. Um, A few projects have come up on top where I've been able to invest my time and my labor Uh, into basically helping these properties gain in value and hoping at the end get a nice check out of it. Uh, And then slowly trying to work my way into obtaining a few properties and basically being my own boss and doing all the work myself and making the gains out of that.
0: Nice. Right on. And Paul's been uh, a tile installer, uh, uh, builder, remodeler for how many years? 30 years? 40. 40 years. And, <laughs> and so Paul, tell us about um, your kind of, how long have you been investing in real estate?
2: Uh, I've been a landlord for 20 years. Mm-hmm.
0: 20 years. Wow. Yeah. How many, how many um, pieces of real estate
2: property do you own? Um, three properties with six rentals. So uh, they're duplexes.
0: They're all duplexes. Okay. Correct. Interesting. Well, that's very nice. Just, sounds like a good, a good strategy. Um, no doubt something that's the way you, you wanted it. Friends, listen, uh, feel free to put it, put questions in the comment box here where you're watching this and we can relay that to Paul and David. All right. Well, why don't you tell us, Paul, um, get us started a little bit about that first investment in a duplex and kind of why you chose that duplex.
2: Well, my skill set as a contractor, a remodeling contractor, means I can do a lot of the repair work myself, so I don't have to pay somebody which costs money. That's out of pocket. So the more I could do myself, the more money I'd make, hmm. uh, either in uh, uh, the, capital, the uh, equity I'm putting in the property or capital gains when I sell it. Uh, so what I shop for is a good shell, Because you can't charge more rent if you got really nice windows. So, uh, but if it needs a new bathroom, hey, we can do that in our sleep. All of us can. Same thing with a new kitchen. And the rest of the house is just empty boxes, you know, bedrooms and living rooms. They're very easy. It's just drywall and outlets and a ceiling fan. Mm -hmm. So that's what I look for as a good shell. If it's not a good shell, then you start sinking some money in that you really can't charge rent for so that's why i look for properties that are a good show Mm. that need remodeling because they're the cheaper ones
0: right what about neighborhoods what kind of neighborhoods are you looking in
2: well uh houston housing in general is fairly inexpensive and we have no zoning which is an unusual concept and has some odd side effects um i could turn my house into a 7-eleven as long as i met the parking requirements I could turn it into a beauty salon or a funeral home. Really? You
3: know,
2: like the only thing I can't do is sell alcohol because I'm within a thousand feet of a school, mm. but otherwise sky's the limit. And my neighbors next door really can't do squat about it. That's what happens when you have no zoning. So I look for neighborhoods that are coming up or are next to where they're coming up. Um, you know, like cross the highway or the railroad tracks, however you want to look at it. Uh, and there are some indicators. If if houses start disappearing, then we know that the land barons, I call them the guys who just buy and sell land, they're coming through the neighborhood. And um, how that works is uh, for example, KV homes goes by about 20 different names and they'll buy a property under Company A, Company B, Company D, Company G. And then when they own a significant amount of it, they start selling it back and forth to each other. And all that does is is raise the value of the lots. They start building a few homes. And all of a sudden, this is the next go-to neighborhood where three years ago, it was just run-down houses. So you got to keep an eye on what's happening around you. And that would be my first piece of advice. Don't run out and buy something as soon as you have a pile of money. Study the, your neighborhood you want to invest in. And you can not study all of Texas. I can't study all of Houston. We have to pick a small enough area that I can know as best as possible every homeowner, what their story is, the conditions of the property, whether the developers are interested, just... As much information about a neighborhood as I can get. I drive around at the day I drive around at night. I drive around when it's rainy. You know, does it doesn't flood here is a big consideration. Learn as much as you can. How stable is it? What's the crime rate? What schools it's zoned to? All before I put down a dollar.
0: Hmm. That makes sense. Uh, about how many, how much time are you usually like doing that research?
2: Um, it's, it's a constant thing. I mean, like, I, the neighborhood I invest in is next door to mine. So I drive through it on occasion. Of course, my other rental properties are there. So, you know, I'll just drive through occasionally. I was there today to uh, pick up a package for a renter. So I got, I just drove a different way through the neighborhood. Mm. Um, you know, it's Mars trash day. So we had a, a renter leave. She bought a house. So I had caught the trash out. I mowed grass there occasionally. So it, it gets me into my own neighborhood because being a, absentee landlord is expensive. Yeah. Yeah. So it
0: sounds like the way you got started with, you know, kind of, and still do, you know, fix them up yourself is similar to what David's doing. Is that right, David? Yep. Yep. Looking to fix them up from the inside out.
1: Pretty much. Yeah. I, I figured that if you can make a place look like a Taj Mahal, why can't you put a, the value up?
0: You know? Yeah. Yeah. Are you using, what, what type of strategies are you using to look for? Um, Cause you're, you mentioned a partner was that right did i hear that right david
1: uh not really a partner but some people that well two people uh, in general that i'm just uh trying to get my foot at the door and they've been happy more than happy enough to uh give me and been totally blessed about it
0: nice how did did you find those people uh well one of them is a relative thank
1: god uh the other one was just a client of mine that i've done some bathrooms for and uh, we've gotten into discussions about one of his properties in downtown and i asked him just a basic conversation hey man if uh i put in my own time my own labor i put in some of my own money into this property are you willing to uh give me a nice check when you sell it and we worked out the numbers and he was more than happy to and it saved him from finding a contractor to do the work when i was busy you know i've committed my own time my own business into it so for him it was a win and for me it's a win
0: so you're putting sweat equity in for a larger paycheck than you would if you were just you know uh, a contract to flip a bathroom or whatever remodel a bathroom
1: absolutely the only thing is it's just time right yeah, i just right. gotta wait for him to sell it in the I wait for it to go through
0: that's the only thing i gotta wait for how are you protecting yourself on your end not really
1: much i, I can say i'm really doing uh this is more so uh I, I guess the trust thing between us i've known him for a few years and yeah. uh hopefully that uh, he doesn't try to burn me at the end but he's been really good uh, his my family knows his family so it all comes down to a bit of trust i guess we don't okay. have any kind of written agreement, nothing like that. Okay,
0: all right, fair enough. Well, I know Paul's the perfect man to have on because he'll he does handshake deals a lot, isn't that right, Paul? <laughs> right. build Build your name, right. up, build your name. You know, over the years on on that trust factor, that's great. What are the next steps, Paul? What? Um, how do you How do you scale this rental business
2: to people interested in trying to learn how this is done? Let, let's break it down. To there are two several types of investments, being a a partner in something that is flipped, um, flipping yourself, which is buy and sell or buy and hold, which is what I do. Uh, So you got to decide what type of uh, investor you want to be. Not everybody wants to be a landlord. Dealing with tenants is not a picnic. They break stupid crap all the time. Um, some can't change a light bulb and others are wonderful tenants. Mm. Um, so not everybody's cut out to be a landlord. Uh, the downside of flipping of course, is you've got a large pile of money on the line that you hope that you can make a return on if things go well. Um, there's a lot more math involved than a long range plan. So, so that's, you have to decide what you're going to do. If you've never been a landlord, talk, go out and talk to some landlords and, and find out, uh, what it's like. Um, it's, it's certainly not like it is on TV. I've been blessed to have some really great tenants. I've got one, um, lives next door to me. He's been there for 17 or 18 years. Um, so how I get to have good tenants is I build a really quality apartment. I don't chin South and that's, something that's the other two camps. So whether you buy and sell or buy and hold, you have to decide what kind of property you're going to do. So a lot of investors put the least amount of money in as possible, the cheapest materials. And we know how that goes. Mm-hmm. Things fall apart. they need constant maintenance. Mm-hmm. The advantages of course, is you have the least amount of dollars into it up front. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm in another camp where I will spend more money on materials and put more time in it so that I get a better quality product. For example, I tile every square inch. We have no carpeting, so that's easy for us to do. You know, I can go get some out sale dollar eighty a square foot plank looking tile, yeah. and everybody oozes and ohs over it. And to me, it was nothing. Right, uh, <laughs> just well, took a, well, well, a week to tile an apartment. So. The advantage, however, of spending all the money up front is now I've got a quality apartment that one won't need repairs as nearly as frequently. And two, I can charge more money because it's a not doesn't look like an apartment. It looks like a home. So we live in a historic neighborhood. My house was built in nineteen twenty seven. So I tried to make my rentals look like their historic homes. And that way I get and I, my market is uh, young professionals. Mm-hmm. So one of the things you have to be aware of in, uh, when you become a landlord is it's against the law to discriminate against families. So I've managed to skirt that by I just have only one and two bedroom units. So yeah. hard to have kids in there with <laughs> yeah. there's no room for them. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, don't, I rarely get any children in my apartments because kids will destroy yeah. houses. Yeah. All of that is planning to decide where you wanted to go. So for me, the uh, young professionals is a nice market, but, you know, they're going to leave every four or five years when the job changes, school stops, um, they buy a house, which happens to me, the the people who just moved out bought a house. So you have to decide how you want to invest. And, And that has to do with the kind of person you are, how much effort you're willing to put into it much time you're willing to put into this as a second job because it is and uh how much money <laughs> how do you uh, go
1: about choosing your tenants like I, i'm sure that when you put your property up for rent you have a list of tenants that come through and uh what are the key things that you look for uh, i'm sure that credits one of them and uh a stable income is another but is there like little things that other than those that you would look
2: for in the tenant well i use a realtor Um, And that to me is great advice because I've got a day job remodeling houses, cutting styrofoam products. So they're friends, they're neighbors. She lives a couple houses away, um, but that's their full-time job. They're plugged into all the listing services and everything, but they also have a program where they screen. There's an application fee. There's a background check. uh, There's a were they ever a bad renter before service? Were they ever evicted service that I just don't have access to all that? I've never signed up for it. But they handle all of that for, I think, a, a, a modest sum of money. And they do all the showings and, you know, a, and the realtor provides you other information. Um, how much rent do you think you can get? What the current rent market is like? Um, are you charging too much or too little? Uh, should you add curtains? Should you upgrade this or that? So that's a, a, it's good to have a realtor. A lot of people try to do this on their own to save a few dollars, but get a realtor.
0: Yeah. Are they collecting the rent for you as well? Or are you doing that after? No, uh, they, they
2: just pay us directly. We have a, so that's another thing. You need to set up a separate bank account for each property so that, money goes into those accounts Mm -hmm. and then your expenses come out of those accounts as well. Mm. Um,
0: Are you, uh, um, how do you figure out uh, the, the mortgage versus the rent Are the rents paying the mortgage for you uh, from the start? Or is that a long, long long-term game as well?
2: Well, that's another thing you have to consider is I do everything with cash. So I don't have a mortgage. Okay. And that has a couple of advantages. One is if I take my time remodeling the property because I'm doing my day job, who cares? I'm just building equity while it's sitting there. It's not really costing anything besides insurance and taxes, Mm. which you gotta pay anyway. Mm. And then I can just take my time, work between jobs, you know, and we do high end remodels. So there's, you know, we've pulled out an $800 toilet out of a house. Well, I can just march that over to one of my rentals <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and install it. Right. Uh, cabinets, granite countertops, ceiling fans, you name it. You know, if it comes off a job site and it's salvageable and in good shape, sure, it's, it's free. That uh, you know, And it's nice. You can tell the quality difference uh, when you have those kind of materials. If you borrow money that eats into your profit percentage. Um, If you're doing well at real estate, you make about 7% return on investment, ROI. Um, Now you compare that to the stock market, which generally averages around 8%. uh, Not so much today, but uh, in in the long run. So if you can make 7% on real estate, you're doing well. So you can obviously see if you're paying a mortgage, at 3 or 4%, you're just vacuuming away half your profit. So the lower the mortgage, the lower the interest rate, the better you'll get on your uh, return on investment. So uh, the downside is, is you need a fairly large pile of money yeah. to be able to do that. Yeah. One thing to never do is mortgage your own home, leverage your own home to buy a rental property. The downside is huge. Everything goes well when the market's going up, but the minute thing hits the fan, you stand a good chance of being homeless yourself. Mm. So, uh, one of the things I never do is borrow against my own home.
3: Mm. That's solid advice. That
2: sounds yeah.
0: solid advice. We've got a question from Rob. How how modest are the realtor license or lease fees?
2: Here, they charge um, one month's rent. Mm. Uh, so, if they sign up a con- so. Uh, Obviously, if the guy moves out here, it's expensive. But most of my renters stay five or six years, so one month, and, and they do work for it. I mean, I don't begrudge them the money. That mm-hmm. uh, they they work for it. Yeah. Do
0: you have the final say on that on the renter, or are you leaving it up to them?
2: Uh, I to their judgment, you know. Okay. Um, oh. Uh, we, we live in an area where there's a fair amount of airbnbs plus uh employee uh corporate housing so there's some turnover uh that's the kind of city we live in there's very few native houstonians everybody gets sent here for work so um how long are people going to be around most people move in seven years anyway even if they buy a house and have kids um people don't stay forever so i don't mind that arrangement it like I said,
0: they earn their
2: money. Yeah. Cool. Well, David, I'm I'm curious from you, What
0: uh, have you picked up anything thus far? What kind of properties are you looking at in the future to, to get into? And what's kind of got your interest? Well, I kind of wanted to
1: get a bit into rental properties, not too much, maybe just in the start. Uh, eventually, I just kind of want to be a fast flipper, make whatever profits I can for the year. Uh, the rules in Toronto are kind of tricky sometimes because I know they just made new rules last year that you have to be uh, living in that property for more than a year before you can sell it. Uh, so obviously I'm going to have to rent it out for a year before I can let go of it. Uh, other rules they've made, oh, I, saw my mind, I can't remember, but uh, uh, right now I'm looking at two condos in my area. Houses themselves are very expensive in Toronto. Our market's completely inflated for some ridiculous reason. Um, so condos are the, uh, I guess the, the, to step in towards the door. You know, if you want to get into it, condos are the way to go for now and then slowly work your way into houses once you've been able to obtain the capital. But uh, a question for Paul, because uh, what he mentioned earlier is never to take a risk on your own property for another rental. Now, I've, uh, I've heard the opposite of that, actually. I've heard uh, there was a guy I've met once. He uh, owns a few properties in Toronto and he says he basically put a clatter on his own house to take a loan for another house. And he's been pretty successful like that. And he's actually done that a few times. And I do understand Paul's point, where he's saying, "Yeah, you know, if if shit hits the fan, then you're gonna lose everything, and you might end up homeless yourself." Absolutely. But uh, uh, to Paul, w- wouldn't you say that uh, risk is sometimes better than the reward? Uh, the reward is sometimes better than the risk, uh, especially putting your own property down.
2: That that's true. Um, it, but you got to be able to pay off that. You know, if you don't want to mind losing your own home, or you got to have the ability to pay it back. So I'm very fiscally conservative. I was raised that way. Uh, I live well below my means. I don't buy anything. (laughs) I just don't buy anything. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I just wouldn't do that. That's me. I'm sure there are people who do it. I just would never do that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I
0: think there's, a, you know, several different schools of thought on this. Um, obviously, you know, Paul's kind of on one extreme and then there's going to be people all the way on the other extreme, which are very, you know, uh, open to risk, you know, and, and can do that. Um, I, I think the thing to do for all the audience listening is is uh, figure out how risk adverse you are. You know, what what type of risk do you want? Um, In your life, you know, and, 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 you know, what speaks to you and then find a mentor. Like, you know, if Paul's speaking your language, you know, you might look to him and other people like him who preach, you know, um, really conservative thoughts on investing and saving and, and things of that nature. Um, It's, you know, there's not necessarily no right or wrong, um, like Rob's saying here, that works until it doesn't. <laughs> so, it, you know, it, it's uh, no right or wrong. But I think the, the thought here is you don't want to get caught um, with your hands in the cookie jar, so to speak.
2: <laughs> right. So that was one i going to be. One of my other points was is most people get, <laughs> okay, I, I inherited money. I've worked really hard. I, I've got it, this pile of cash. Now I'm going to go buy whatever I can buy and to me that's the mistake is you really should always do your homework first no matter what you're buying certainly for that kind of pile of money mm. uh, research the neighborhood re- but also look at the current market uh, normally the rents in Houston have been climbing, climbing, climbing somewhere between 8 and 16% a year which is fairly high if you're renting and, and your rent's going up that much great for landlords uh, but that has come to a screeching halt with COVID uh, I've got two empty units right now. Uh, both of them moved. So, you know, it's not like they couldn't pay. It's just one bought a house and another got a job transfer. So, you know, but nobody's coming to look, um, even though the houses are vacant and we can schedule and we've got video tours and just nothing is moving. Interesting. So, um, I, my, my, prediction is that there will be a commercial collapse in the real estate market before there is a residential collapse because of all these businesses that are going out of business because they can't open their doors or they've scaled back so far that they're going out of business. As I drive through my own neighborhood, I see more for lease signs coming down and more for sale signs. um, Sorry about that. Going up. So, and they're new, shiny for sale signs. And uh, my fear is, is that with a downturn in the economy coming in 2021, that the uh, commercial uh, property value will drop substantially. Mm. So, well, that's a great time to buy when we're at the bottom. So the trick is, of course, always stock market or housing. When are we at the bottom? And we're not there yet. You don't want to buy on the way down. So right now, my position is just pile up the cash until a great vet bargain comes around, and I think that's going to take about another year, year and a half.
0: So you're actually going to shift your strategy to commercial
2: if it if it does indeed. If you well, that there. has to do with the styrofoam business and. Um, Another new business we're launching, so where I will need a office garage space. So uh, my thought would be to buy a piece of property large enough that the phone business could grow, the other business could grow. Mm-hmm. But before we grew, I would just rent out a portion of it to another business mm-hmm. in the meantime. okay, with the end goal of that, the other two businesses would grow enough to take over the whole property eventually. But if purchase low enough, the renter would be just gravy at that point.
0: Yeah. Nice. David, you got any questions for Paul at this point?
1: Yeah. I was going to ask, um, how often do you look at uh, new builds around the area? You know, when you see, uh, like you mentioned that your, uh, your area is a bit too expensive to purchase. So obviously you're purchasing out of the area. Um, how often do you, uh, I guess, pay attention to what, uh, what buildings are going up, what new developments are going up to kind of have an idea what the property value of the houses around them are going to be like. Is that something, is that like a strategy you take when uh, investing into a next property? Uh,
2: Yeah, certainly. I look all the time. Um, I use Zillow just because you can, as soon as I click the link at the, the, the browser bookmark bar, it comes up to that specific area that I'm looking at. And I just, you know, see what's available. What are the prices? What kind of houses are going up for sale? Are they 70s ranchers or are they historic bungalows? Uh, what's the ratio of commercial property? Uh, and then I pay attention to the land speculators. And this doesn't take a whole bunch of time. It's, you know, it's not, I don't go out and buy houses every day. So it's you just really got to get a good feel for a neighborhood you don't live in. So I drive through occasionally. Um I could easily jump on the highway here and go around, but take the time to drive through, see what it's like, see what's going on. Talk to the neighbors is wonderful. Um, you know, so um here's a good example. I have uh two rental properties, I'm out of four on a block, and I'm I have a gentleman's agreement to buy the third one. Uh, right now his daughter is they moved back into their rental while his daughter is going to school so she could get to go to a certain high school zone to that house. And we have an agreement that when she leaves high school, they're going to sell me the property. So that'll be great.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, but in the meantime, um, you know, I mow the highway grass along the side of the road. So that endears me to the rest of the neighbors. So I get to talk to them when they're out there walking their dogs. Where do you live? How long have you lived here? Um, have you ever thought about selling? Well, wouldn't you want to sell to somebody who's obviously taking care of the neighborhood than mm-hmm. some investor who's going to come and, you know, flip your house and destroy the neighborhood. So, uh, really get to know everybody. Yeah. True, true story. There's a house in the neighborhood. It keeps going back up for sale, but they're asking way too much money. It's a half size lot. They're asking full size lot value. The house needs to be knocked down. Well, it turns out the rest of the story. Mom died, son inherited it, he's a convicted sex offender. Oh, no. How long do you – he can't sell that place. Nobody (laughs) wants to buy it. So I'll just wait a certain amount of time to say, hey, here's 20 cents on the dollar. Yeah. (laughs) Go away.
1: (laughs) Damn. Is there any uh, red – like, I'm sure that's a big red flag for you, but is there any red flags when you're going into these neighborhoods uh, like things that strike out as you saying, okay, no, this is not for me. On to the next one.
2: Um, obviously, drug sales. Um, so go to the local convenience store and just see how clean and neat it is. Um, and, and, but you got to be there to see that. You got to be there at several times of the day. Just don't go at noon. You got to go at night. You got to go on Sundays. You got to go on Tuesdays. Um, it's handy if it's close to your house. So that's one of the other principles is don't buy property you can't keep an eye on uh, because if you're depending upon somebody else to keep it up for you or you're just not there very often, things are going to sneak up to you and bite you in the ass. Mm-hmm. So at the very least, I'm at my properties at least once a month, sometimes more frequently, spray the weeds, rake some leaves, talk to the neighbors, pick up the track, you know, just, just keep an eye on the place. Mm. And then it's very helpful to get into the
0: neighborhood too. Yeah. You talk about some, you know, alternative strategies or, you know, different strategies for finding homes, investing in homes. Are you going, are, are you ever buying homes on the market or are you really trying to buy homes that are kind of before a realtor would find them?
2: Uh, That's really difficult. You really got to be have a big pile of money and move very quickly to buy before they get listed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's where realtors are hooked up with their favorite investors who make it worth their while to get on the properties before they hit the market. Mm. Um, I bought a property where I knew it was overvalued. Uh, Dad died, children inherited it, didn't want it, but you know, they're going to cash in on this gold mine they just inherited. So it kept going on the market and coming off the market, go on the market, come off the market. So I figured out rather rapidly, hey, this house can't pass a building inspection. Mm. There's just nowhere in God's green earth that's going to happen. So I finally schedule a tour, and this thing needs to be gutted, but it's a good show. So I waited one year. Why a year? Because that's how long Fannie Mae gives you <laughs> to sell your inherited property before they foreclose on it. Mm-hmm. So I wound up getting it for about 40 cents on a dollar wow. as a Fannie Mae reverse foreclosure. Because at a year and one day, I called up the bank and said, hey, I'll write you a check tomorrow. Wow. I closed on it in nine days. Wow. Waive the inspection. I don't care. That's wild. So you're,
0: you're researching the law. You're knowing the law. You're kind of you know searching the market knowing knowing kind of different opportunities where are you can you give us some um uh some sources of of knowledge some places where we can
2: learn uh well i um many years ago i was involved with a commercial property with a business i owned and i happened my realtor happened to be what like the greatest mentor just a super guy funny as hell and i learned a lot from him hmm. mostly by keeping my mouth shut and my ears open <laughs> um so from there he gave put me on a list of email blasts for commercial and residential properties that come up for sale for investors only you know you have to be able to put down your earnest money tomorrow and if they can provide clear title it's a done deal hmm. so i'm on hmm. those lists and I get emails a couple times a day, um, some way far away from me, some closer. But it gives me a feel for what the market is doing mm. and, and, and what is available. Yeah. Uh, some of them would make excellent flips. I choose not to do them. Some are great commercial properties. I choose not to do those. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's to keep a broad ear to the ground. You, know, you, you want to learn what's going on. Uh, the worst thing you can do is invest blind.
0: We've got a question from the audience, uh, from Jordan. Do you use a cap rate calculation when seeing if a property is a good
2: fit? Um, I do my own math um, because I'm buying a shell. I just go, well, what would this property be worth if I fixed it up? And then, of course, what's it going to cost me to fix it up? Which is really just materials at a wholesale rate because it's labor. Mm. And the labor is my time when I'm not working one of my regular jobs. So I am not in a rush to get these things done because I'm not flipping it. I don't have carrying costs because I'm doing it all cash. So if it's if it's a good value to me, if I can buy the shell cheap enough, then that's to me how I figure it out.
0: So uh, David, what about you? Where are you looking anywhere for um, knowledge uh, um, of of investing in real estate? Where do you where do you look to?
1: what gave me the most basic uh terms and kind of gave me the most basic rules and laws is actually uh, a book that i bought uh real estate for dummies uh you, you know what it sounds funny but it works it, yeah. it gave me a bit of insight and knowledge in the thing uh, in the market a lot of my customers are uh real estate inv- investors so i always have you know coffee with them sit down with them picking their brain learning as much as i can um, it's a scary game when you're putting in a lot of money into it. Right. So you definitely want to be prepared, especially when shit's fan. Um, my, my end goal for everything. If, uh, if everything works out is just to have a few properties, just, just kind of sell all at once and kind of move on to a uh, home country and, uh, you know, settle on a beach, you know, kicking my shoes up and that's it.
0: <laughs> Sounds like a good dream, man. Right. Keep to go. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I'll, I'll throw out a couple resources, uh, biggerpockets.com is a website with a, with just strictly investors. Uh, and, uh, they have a podcast, bigger pockets podcast. And then there's a, there's a good real estate, another, there's several probably real estate podcasts, but one I used to enjoy was, uh, real estate news. It's just a daily news. It's just like six or seven minutes. And she she's an investor. Um, and she tells you kind of, you know, the market uh, and kind of the temperature of the market and different things uh, shows you what cities are hot to invest in talks about stuff like that. So that's a good one. Real realtor news or real estate news. I'll put the I'll put the link up
2: later. Um. So one of the if, if, to the young guys out there, How do you get the pile of money? Right. Hustle. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And the answer is live well below your means. Mm. The the boat is fun to have. Mm. The ATVs, lots of fun. Mm. Those guns, great time. But if you're spending all your money on that, you're not going to build that pile of money you need for the long term. And, yeah, that's fun when you're young. But eventually you realize that these bags of cement are getting heavier every day and uh i don't want to do this anymore Mm. so you really got to start planning ahead um and so you know have a friend with a boat (laughs) (laughs) that's right
1: (laughs) yeah live well uh, below your means i think uh the one thing that uh every every contract every guy with uh trade and tools in his hand every day we're all looking to get off the tools somehow And real estate definitely is uh, one way to get into it, even though if we have to put our own bit of work in the future, it's not as much as 600 square feet in some, you know, living room area that we have to finish in three days. You know I mean? We can stretch it out over two weeks if we wanted to because it's our property, right? Mm. So that's definitely one way to get off the tools is through real estate.
0: Yeah. And, Paul, tell us where you're at today. Kind of tell us, you know, after... Uh, 20 years of doing this, wh- how many properties do you have and h- how has that affected your, your income? And
2: Well, I don't have to work. No. Uh, I, I, I work because I, I like it. Um, my, I have a low five-figure income, monthly income from my rentals. Mm. Uh, they're paid for, so it's just property taxes and insurance. No. The, they are in great condition, so they don't need any repairs and shouldn't need any repairs. Significant repairs. Um, my plan is to sell in, when I retire, so somewhere between 10 and 20 years from now. Mm-hmm. Um, a good example would be the last property I bought, the, the lot. Okay, so I knew that these two sisters owned it, and they hated each other. Mm-hmm. So you got I mean, like, this is the kind of insider information. Yeah. So I That's waited good. until the property tax bills came out which is every January here in uh, Houston. Mm. So I went to the good sister and I said, hey, I'll make you a deal. I'll, I'll buy this plan from you and I'll make the check out to you or your sister, not to you and your sister. And she said, well, what's the difference?
3: Mm.
2: And I said, well, because if I make it to you and your sister, she has to sign the check. But if I make it out to you or your sister, only one of you has to sign it. Right. She won't see what it is. <laughs> Right. so I don't know what she told her sister. She sold the property for, but I got a good deal on it. Hmm. Um, and then I built a duplex on it. So all in, um, not counting my time, but all of, I, I hired a framer to get it done in three days because it would take me forever. Um, I have, I think 161,000 into the property total. Hmm. It's paid for It, each side rents for $1,400 a month expenses run, maybe $3,000 a year property taxes and insurance. So that would be 11 times 2,800, which is what? 30,000 a year. Yeah. Um. Uh, uh, gross profit, uh, net profit, sorry on this property that, you know, it's only going up in value. To, yeah. I've owned it for four years since we bought the land and started building. Uh, today, it's probably worth. I could probably sell it for around four hundred and fifty thousand. Mm. So, not only do I make money on it every month to the tune of roughly twenty eight hundred dollars, but I'm getting all this equity. Yeah, and a tremendous amount of equity. Um, you now, I could borrow against it. I choose not to. Yeah.
0: Well, that's great. Well, listen, guys, uh, thanks for joining me and having this discussion. I know a lot of people are going to benefit from this information. You know, really, the reason I wanted to talk about this, I know it's a little bit different than what I normally talk about, but uh, given the times we're living in and and we see, you know, some uncertainty maybe uh, coming up in the next couple of years here, uh, we need to start thinking about different ways to put your money to work. If if you do have money, if you have assets, whether that be physical, you know, being able to physically do the work like David's doing and, you know, partnering with somebody so uh david any last thoughts from from you
1: no this this has been a great show with uh, you and paul definitely some uh, some good insight from both of you well, mostly from paul sorry luke so yeah paul paul has definitely given some good points Has definitely opened my mind a bit on some on some things i should be looking at and you know i just hope that everyone makes it at the end of the day you know
0: yeah for sure for sure appreciate it
2: i i can say one thing i've had a lot of cause you know, obviously, if I invest one hundred and sixty-one thousand, my ROI, I believe, is somewhere around twenty percent, which is like Bernie Madoff territory. Yeah. So I get a lot of people who are always like, "Hey, next one you get, I want to invest." Yeah. You know how many people have given me money? <laughs> <laughs> Tell them to invest right there and then, and shake on it.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, a lot of people will talk about it. Very few people are actually going to do it. Yeah. 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 Good stuff. Well, listen, guys, uh, thanks again for your time and your knowledge. Paul, appreciate you. It's always a pleasure hearing from you.
1: My
3: pleasure. And
0: then, David, uh, it was good to have you on the, on the podcast. Appreciate it. Cheers, buddy. All right, tile friends, listen. I want to encourage you to take today's episode and think about it. Think about different ways you can apply what you heard today. You know, we want to be setting ourselves up for the future. Uh, one thing we didn't talk about is is taxes. Uh, that would be you know, another subject we probably could have gone into. But really, you know, how how are you spending your money? You're either going to have to spend it on taxes, or you know, uh, investing in real estate can be a great way to kind of put your money to work for you and and really have something that over the years is going to uh, work for you and and allow you to be in a position like Paul now where he could retire if he wanted to. So think about it, friends. And uh, I hope all of you are are doing good and having a good week. And as always, stay profitable out there, Tile Friends. Talk to you next week.